Good morning, my friend. I hope you're doing well. It is Thursday, 24 August 2023. I am Dr. Lee Warren, and I'm so excited to be here with you today. Listen, I've got an exciting announcement. We've tangentially mentioned it, but I don't think I've formally announced it. But two weeks from today, on September 7th at 6 p.m. Eastern, that's 5 p.m. Central Time, we're going to have a one-hour live Zoom event with me and Max Lucado to talk about my new book, Hope is the First Dose. It's an evening of hope with Pastor Max Lucado, and it's going to be an amazing talk. Max has been our friend and pastor for years. Uh, Lisa and Dennis and Patty and all of us lived in San Antonio for a long time and went to Oak Hills Church. And Dennis Tata actually worked for uh, the church for a long time and, and did a lot of pastoral work alongside Max. And Lisa is friends with the family for years, and I've been friends with them for years. And then Max has just been a, a personal pastor and mentor for me over these many years. And he's been on the show a couple of times before. Uh, he's been incredibly kind. He's endorsed my books and all of that. But he really believes in hope is the first dose and feels like of all the things that I've done and written that he, he said, this is the one that's going to help the most people. This is the one that's going to uh, reach out and, and cross the bridge between those who already identify themselves as Christians and those who are seeking. It's going to help people who are hurting. It's going to give people new look at how to find hope when they're hurting. And he really believes in it. So he offered to do an hour uh, of a live event with us. And that's going to be next uh, two weeks from today. So I'm super excited. I'm going to put a link in the show notes. You have to register for that event. It is free, but they want to know who's coming. And there will be an opportunity for you to submit questions that Max and I might discuss. And so I'm going to put a link in the show notes uh, to the Baker Bookhouse who is hosting the event. Um, and, and you're going to have an opportunity to sign up and let us know that you're coming. And please tell everybody you know, if there's anybody you know that might benefit from hearing Pastor Max Locato and me discuss hope. Uh, Max actually knew Mitch. We're going to have a good personal, intimate conversation about grief and hope and pain and loss and faith and doubt and all the amazing uh, parts of how we can live in this quantum faith world with a Jesus who says life is going to be hard, but I came here so that your life can be abundant. So I hope that you'll sign up and join us for that evening of hope with Max Locato, September 7th, 6 p.m. Eastern. I'm going to put a link in the show notes. You've got to register. Uh, And if you have a chance to read the book ahead of time, it'll help you kind of in form the conversation. Um, I pray that you'll do that and join us. I thought it would be good today uh, to bring back an episode from 2020, the last time that I had Max on the show. And we talked, it was right in the middle of the coronavirus uh, pandemic. And we talked a lot about anxiety and we talked about stress and how to handle times that are, that are fearful. And you know what? We're still in a time like that. And I think all times are sort of like that, but but we're in a time where there's a lot of unanswered questions, and there's crazy things happening, and there's a lot of stress, and the economy's not so great, and what do you do when things are hard? So as you're listening to this, you'll notice Max and I talking about coronavirus and lockdowns and all those sorts of things, but just substitute whatever it is that you're dealing with in your life right now. And Max's pastorly words and his prayer will give you some guidance on what to do when you're in a tough situation, when you're in a tough spot, when you're in a time that seems fearful and stressful. And he'll remind us that we're called to be anxious for nothing. So I think it'll be valuable here on this Throwback Thursday to bring back Max. And I'm doing that specifically, strategically, because if you don't know Max Lucado, if you somehow not encountered him or his writing, he has a new book coming out too, by the way, that we'll promote when it's time. 
But if you don't know Max, this will be a good opportunity for you to get a feel for why I consider him my pastor and why so many millions of people feel like Max is the guy to turn to when you need a dose of hope. And so I want to bring you back this uh, conversation that I had with Max Lucado back in 2020 to kind of prime you, hopefully, to be interested in joining us live for the Evening of Hope two weeks from today. It's going to help you change your mind. It's going to help you change your life. It's going to help you start today. Hey, my friend, I hope you're well today. This is day whatever, four or five, ten, it feels, of the encouragement from the government of people staying inside and not interacting in public too much. And we talked in the last episode with Philip Yancey about how that's affected even our family with our son having to cancel his wedding. But as this drags on with the COVID-19 crisis and people are isolated and all that, there seems to be a building anxiety and people are worried about stuff. And in my life... Whenever I'm stressed or worried, I always turn to the Word of God. But when I need to talk to someone about these things, I talk to Lisa, and sometimes we also talk to our chaplains or pastors. I've I've written a lot about how chaplains and pastors have been really foundational in my faith and my life. And God has blessed me with several pastors, chaplains, and writers in my life who are also personal friends of mine. John Swanson, I've talked about him a lot. He was on the podcast recently, 300 Words a Day. And Dennis McDonald is a hospital pastor who's also my father-in-law, and they've been chaplains for years, and, and they've been my chaplain whenever I needed them over the years. But no matter where we've lived or worship, my go-to pastor has always been my old friend, Max Lucado. Max was my literal pastor when I lived in San Antonio. I worshiped at the Oak Hills Church back in the day. And my father-in-law, who at the time was my future father-in-law, Dennis McDonald, worked at Oak Hills Church with Max. Dennis and my mother-in-law, Patty, were dear friends with Max and Deanlin. And my wife, Lisa, worked for the church as well. And her and Deanlin were very good friends and have been over, over all these years. So when Lisa and I got married, then I, in addition to having Max as a pastor, he became a personal friend. But over the years, although we've moved several times and, and I haven't been in the same place as Max many times over those years... When something real and significant happens in my life, Max is one of those people that I reach out to. He's been very gracious to me. He's endorsed my books. He's helped me out as a writer. But more importantly than any of that, he's been my friend. And as you'll hear about in this episode, he's been there for me in my worst moments. When our son Mitch died in 2013, Max was there. He lives out what he talks about as a pastor and a friend. But he's not just a pastor, in case you live under a rock somewhere and you don't know his name, Max uh, Lucado is also a worldwide best-selling author of over 40 books. His bio, which is on his website, maxlucado.com, I just exerted a little bit of that, excerpted, I should say, a little bit of that uh, biography from his website, and let me just read some of it to you. Lucado says he writes books for people who don't read books. Even his best-selling books have sold over 100 million copies across 54 languages worldwide. Perhaps he is converting non-readers with his poetic storytelling and homespun humor. Perhaps readers can sense that his encouraging words flow from the heart of a pastor. Every trade book Max Lucado has written during the last 30 years began as a sermon series for his home church, Oak Hills, in San Antonio, Texas. Max presses every word of his sermons through this sieve. Why would this matter on Monday morning? How can I relate the promises of God to every person, wherever they are, regardless of the burdens they carry? Since his first book, On the Anvil, was published in 1985, Max has been sharing the promises of God in sermons, books, articles, and media interviews. His writing 
is featured in videos, devotionals, songs, plush toys, greeting cards, booklets, Bible studies, and Bible commentaries. 130 million of these products have been sold around the globe. His books regularly appear on national bestseller lists, including the New York Times. His 42nd trade book, Jesus, the God Who Knows Your Name, just came out in January. So if you're not... You weren't aware of it before, folks. Max Lucado, big deal in the publishing world, but his heart is absolutely a pastor. And he's my friend, and he's my pastor. And with all this going on, and one of those times of great anxiety and stress, I thought that the Dr. Lee Warren podcast listeners like you and like me needed a pastor to speak into this. I reached out to Max yesterday, and he said he would be happy to come and minister to all of us today. But before we start, I asked Max to pray for us. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you now for this day, for the blessings in it. We seek, if if we can, to find reasons to be grateful, to trust you, to celebrate your ability and your strength, your sovereignty and your capacity. We ask you specifically to bring about both treatment and vaccine for this particular virus. We pray that you would use it to the glory of your name, demonstrate your power, and we pray that we would learn to leave our concerns with you and that you'd help us to manage our thoughts, that we could meditate on the things that are good for us and good for that you want us to meditate on. That's right. We pray, Father, for Lee and Lisa. Let us be of one heart and one spirit. Through Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Max. Yeah. Look, friend, this coronavirus thing is scary, but there are things you can do to shake off the fear and step into faith. And we're going to do that with Max Lucado's help. We're going to change our minds about it starting today. Hey, are you ready to change your life? If the answer is yes, there's only one rule. You have to change your mind first. And my friend, there's a place where the neuroscience of how your mind works smashes together with faith and everything starts to make sense. That place is called self-brain surgery. You can learn it and it will help you become healthier, feel better, and be happier. And the good news is you can start today. Thanks, Lisa. Hey, so glad to have you listening today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren and I live in Nebraska in the United States of America with my incredible wife, Lisa, my father-in-law, Tata, and the super pups, Harvey and Lewis. I'm a neurosurgeon and an author, and I'm here to help you harness neuroscience, the power of your brain, faith, the power of your spirit, and good old common sense to help you lead a healthier, better, happier life. Listen, friend, you can't change your life until you change your mind, and I'm here to help you learn the art of self-brain surgery to get it done. If you like the show, please subscribe so you never miss an episode and tell your friends about it. If you tell two or three friends this podcast was helpful to you, imagine how much good we can all do around the world together. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I'm here to help you change your mind so you can change your life. Let's get after it. Folks, I've introduced Max to you already, but um, Max was actually our pastor when we lived in San Antonio. You've been a pastor for how many years, Max? Yeah, I moved to San Antonio, Lee, in 1988. I entered the ministry in 1979. Wow. So that's a long time, isn't it? That's a, yeah. That's about as long as Moses was in the wilderness, and sometimes it feels the same. Wow. You've walked more than 11 <laughs> miles, though, over the course of those years. And you spent some time in Brazil as a missionary, too, right? From 83 to 88, my wife and I were in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And you know our kids. We have three daughters. 
two of our three daughters were born in Brazil. Wow. We moved back to the States, and then we had our third daughter here in San Antonio. You got some grandkids now, right? Two of them. Yeah. Two of them. They're four and two, and one of them is named Rosie. Yep. She's the four-year-old, and then we have a two-year-old boy, and his name is Max. Oh, that's great. Grandkids yeah. are amazing. We've got, a, we got yeah. three of them ourselves. It leaves, do you think it lives up to its expectation? I do. There was a, an old comedian that said, the grandkids are God's reward for not killing your own kids. <laughs> <laughs> They're great. Max, obviously, the big question of the day is this worldwide pandemic of the coronavirus. And in most places around the world right now, folks are stuck at home and they're, they're limiting their travel and we're isolated. And, and uh, there's a lot of anxiety and, and kind of panic around that. And so in my life, when I have anxiety and panic, I turn uh, to the Word of God and to my pastor. And I've over the years, have you've been my pastor even when I didn't live close to you. And I know through your books and, and your work around the world, you've pastored and mentored uh, millions of people. So that's why I reached out to you, Max, just to maybe you could pastor us for a little while and help us come to grips with what we ought to be thinking about and how we can uh, manage this uh, stressful time. Thank you. you uh, you're a dear friend, the, an exquisite professional. And I hold you in the highest regards. Thank you. In fact, I remember some years ago when I was writing a book that people are turning to a whole lot right now, Anxious for Nothing. nothing. Yeah. You and I had a long series of emails around the amygdala. Yep, we did. (laughs) Do you remember that? Yep, I was your team (laughs) neurosurgeon for that book. You were my team neurosurgeon. Yep. And, And we talked about how anxiety and fear are really the God given warning signals. To a crisis, yeah. uh, we don't want we don't want to have a a worldview that includes no fear. When somebody says they're fearless, they don't want to be that. It's fear mm-hmm. that keeps us from, I don't know, doing stupid things. That's it's right. Fear is, it's it's that amygdala. Correct me on this and speak into it because a million times more than I. But it's that little walnut-sized part of our brain that activates us into kind of a, a, a siren or a, a fight or flight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What happens if that amygdala is not working? Yeah, you don't respond very well to crisis. Yeah, yeah. Anxiety, if I understand it, at least it's an understanding that I work with. Anxiety is when that amygdala is never shut off. It's just always sending out signals. That's right. I like a house alarm. It tells me if somebody's trying to break into my house. Right. I I don't want to be in a house if the alarm is going off 24 hours a day. That's right. So what we're trying to do now as, as we're in the middle of a crisis, is manage that house alarm. We don't want to live at this state of panic and fear. And it's very difficult, isn't it, Lee? Yeah. Because you, you want to watch the news. You don't want to miss any late development. And yet it is impossible to watch the news and not be uh, alarmed at, right. at what we're hearing. Yeah. Any That's thoughts right. on that? Well, yeah, it's exactly right. You need to gate the inflow of information. First of all, make sure it's a, a, a worthy and trustworthy source of information that you're getting. A lot of folks, unfortunately, are getting all of their breaking news from Facebook or someplace right. where the the veracity of the data might not be the best. Right. But but if you just are constantly filling your head and your heart with doom and gloom, then your body's going to respond that way too. And so yeah. I, I've been telling people, calm down, take a deep breath, know the facts about <laughs> Alexa just alarmed us. Speaking of alarms, <laughs> uh, we have a notification, folks, from Amazon. Um, 
people are, are overly stuffing their brains full of all of the bad news. And, and the reality is this virus is dangerous if you're in certain groups of patients, older people with pulmonary disease, people with asthma, things like that can be really dangerous. But the reason we're on all this lockdown status really is to try to contain it so we don't healthier people don't unknowingly contaminate or spread it to other people, right? So it's not like there's some deadly assassin outside your door that's going to kill your whole family. Great and point. That's really what it's not. It's not that. It's th This whole social isolation business is about letting the virus run its course in the people that have it before they have a chance to spread it to somebody else. That's really all exactly. it is. Exactly. Yeah. And the challenge that, that we have is we're trying to wait this out, which for a health professional like you, God bless you. You can be proactive. You can help. You can contribute thoughts from your experience. You can show up at the hospital and do your part. Many of us want to contribute, but we don't have that skill set or that training. It may even be more difficult for those of us who are stuck at home to do something that I'm about to talk about, and that's just practice thought management. Yeah. You use the right verb, and that is gate, gate. That old saying is true. Just because you have a thought, you don't have to think it. That's right. <laughs> These thoughts come up to our head. And if we're not careful, we think that just because this thought that comes, okay, I, I get, I got an email this morning from someone on our staff. She said, miss, she said, cryptic thing. I've been talking to a neighbor. He knows somebody who has somebody who works in the federal government and they're saying, and you can right. just, you can hear this train. You hear what I'm saying? Yep. It, it got passed down until finally it just landed in her lap and she was reacting to it. Right. So I, I, I think you got to take thoughts like that. Like you're saying, you've got to say, okay, I'm not letting that in. I am not letting that in. I do not know that is true. I do not know that is factual. So I'm not going to let that come in. And she has, it's not easy, but boy, you got to do it. That's now, right. The, the Bible says, the, the passage that I turn to a whole lot in Philippians 4 gives, two gives four practical tools for doing that. First, you rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice, Paul said. And then he says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and petition, let your requests be made known to God. So you ask God for help. Yep. You let your requests be made known to God. And then with thanksgiving. Now, there's something we don't talk a lot about. But during a crisis, a thanksgiving, a thankful heart is a healthy heart. And then he says, meditate on these things. Right. So he gives four steps. You rejoice, you ask, you leave, and you meditate. C-A-L-M. I, I use that all the time in, in talking to people. Here's how you stay calm. You celebrate, you rejoice what God has done. You ask God for help. You leave the problem with him. And then you meditate on things that are true. That's amazing. That's exactly right. The whole tagline of my podcast is you can't change your life until you change your mind, which is self-brain surgery if you want to think about it that way. It's deciding that you're going to think differently. And when you think differently, as you know from your research, your brain chemistry changes. When you, when you think better thoughts, you produce better neurochemistry. Your dopamine and serotonin improve and, and your life gets better when you think better, And which is what the Bible was trying to say all along, right? And change how you think and you'll change how you live. What happens if you don't? If you, what happens 
if you continue to allow these anxious, negative thoughts to come into your mind, what happens? It hurts your body. It hurts your relationships. It hurts your heart. We know that anxiety, stress, uh, depression, fear, all of those things produce really harmful effects in your physical body. Yeah. And they affect how you treat other people. So th- there's a neurochemistry fact that negative experiences, thoughts, uh, things that we say to each other, they wire into your brain about five times more powerfully than positive ones do. And that's why you can remember without much trouble automatically something negative that your dad said to you or some name that he called you when you were five, when you dropped something, he called you a dummy or something. You remember that when you make the same mistake as an adult 50 years later, much more than you remember the times when he patted you on the back and told you good job, right? That's fascinating. You remember that because you that, do. it's the neural pathway that God gave us. That's a good thing that when you put your hand on the stove, you don't want to have to do that again to remember not to put your hand on the stove. So it's very powerfully wired. Negative experiences are very powerfully wired into our neurochemistry. And it takes five or or six or seven or 10 positive ones to unwire that, break that synapse and put you in a healthier frame of mind. So then that filters down into our decision about, like you were saying, when you're going to decide what you're going to think about, you need to understand that negative things are much more dangerous to you than positive ones are in terms of creating a negative state of your uh, neurochemistry and therefore your physical body. So I think that it's wise to manage your anxiety. It's wise to think better thoughts because you're using God-given neurochemistry hacks, if you want to think about it that way. I I jokingly always call it self-brain surgery because it works for me. Mm -hmm. But that's true. It's, It's real. Yeah. Yeah. Yesterday, I mentioned to you before the show that I, I made a quick trip up from San Antonio to Dallas. And uh, it was quick, but there was no traffic on the road, which in yeah. and of itself was pretty eerie. But I had five hours in the car. And consequently, I could listen to CNN or Fox or any news channel for the whole time. I noticed, Lee, about 30 or 45 minutes into the trip, that my hands were even squeezing the uh, steering wheel and my stomach was getting tighter because I was not only getting news, I was getting the late breaking news, the signals. Right. And it was just, I was just getting tighter and tighter. And so I thought, okay, this isn't going to work. I can't keep this up for five hours. So I came up with a rule for myself Uh, for every 10 minutes of news, I'm going to listen to 15 minutes of worship. Perfect. So for every 10 minutes of news, I would allow myself 10 minutes of news, but then I would listen to worship songs. You're a guitarist. You're a musician. You know the power of of music. You're a worship leader. It changed the whole trip. It did. And I could literally feel myself relaxing. Now, I think that's valuable for even a secularist, for somebody who doesn't believe in God, to turn the news off for, for every so often. But I think for those of us who are Christians who when we worship, we're engaging the power of the Holy Spirit to minister to our spirit. Yep. We're connecting with, the, with God himself, and he's talking to us. It's even exponentially more important for us. So that was just a practical thing that, that people might try while we're stuck at home. Don't leave the news on all the time. That's right. It's going to be on after your 30-minute break. That's right. And I would bet, just based on past experience, if you recorded 10 minutes of news 
every hour for 24 hours and played it back a month later, you'd be shocked to see how little new information you got in each of those 10-minute segments. You're just getting it presented to you in a more alarming way each exactly. time. And I would challenge you as your, as a doctor, I would doctor you to say, maybe change that ratio even a little more. One to 1.5 might not be enough. Um, not be. Especially yeah. for people who are naturally lean towards being more anxious. I was talking to Philip Yancey the other day, and he said he caught, he recommended that people use this time at home to start some new habits. Take some active, actively work on a different part of your relationship with the family members that you're stuck inside with, or actively start a new reading habit instead of a listening habit. I thought that was a good idea. If you want to feel better, do better kind of thing. That's a great idea. I actually had that thought, and this encourages me to act on it. There's been some scriptures I want to memorize. Yeah. And maybe I could put a list of scriptures together and commit them to memory during this season. So, yeah, yeah using this time, it's an unusual situation in which we find ourselves. Yeah. I do think that I mentioned that passage that the Apostle Paul wrote included that phrase, with gratitude. Yeah. He said, be anxious for yeah. nothing. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now, keep in mind, the Apostle Paul wrote that passage from self-isolation. Yeah. Forced isolation. He was in prison, yeah. He was in prison, but he was isolated. He was isolated. He was cut off from relationships. Mm. And yet here he's dealing with anxiety and teaching us to do so. And he puts that phrase, with gratitude, in. And I've thought about that. I'd like to test this idea with you. And that is, I don't think that anxiety and gratitude can share the same heart. can't. I've noticed that when I'm anxious, if I begin making a list of things for which I'm grateful, anxiety leaves the heart. That's right. And if I'm grateful, anxiety tries to come in, but gratitude won't let it come in. That's right. Yeah. So really, gratitude yeah. is a quick cure for the anxious heart. That's right. So on a practical level, when you're feeling stressed or anxious, stop and think about something that you're grateful for and, and you ruminate on that. Chew on better stuff and think better thoughts. You'll become more calm. Yeah, absolutely. We can just as easily think of all the good things we're doing or that we have as opposed to the things we're losing. I noticed that beautiful story of the people in Spain who are right now quarantined and cannot leave their homes. But at 8 p.m. every evening, they step out on their balconies or step out on their front porch and they yell and they applaud and they take pots and pans and they bang them together. And what they're doing is they're thanking the medical community. Oh, wow. They're thanking the medical community. And that's a beautiful thing to do, first of all, and primarily to thank the medical community because they're the ones like you putting their lives at risk, working those mm unbelievable hours is so that we can survive. But it's good for the people too. It's good for those people who are doing it to express gratitude and say, hey, we got people who are going to bat for us and, right. it, and it makes you feel good and it, and it get, get, gets your mind off of what you may not have and you focus on what you do. That's beautiful. I saw somebody on Instagram said, what if this is a forced Sabbath from God? What if he's saying you guys need to reset and rest and think about developing new habits. That's an interesting uh, idea. I don't think God 
causes pandemics like that. But the idea, what if we could turn this on its head and use this time that we have as a gift to write some new books or uh, deepen relationships or uh, make some better habits? I, I think that would be. I think so. I think we'll be better people as a result of this. Lee, I have a feeling that when we all get to heaven, there will be some people who look back and say, that pandemic was terrible, but that's what caused me to get on my knees before God. Yeah. I developed had a swagger. I running my life. I was self-sufficient, independent. And then all of a sudden my retirement account went to dip down 30% in one week. And I was hearing these reports that I could be brought down by a tiny micro virus and I realized how fragile I was. And so I got on my knees and I said, Lord, I'm sorry. I want to give my heart to you. And I think that's wow. happening all over the place. People are, are tuning in to online churches. Yeah. They're tuning in to messages. They're tuning into podcasts like yours. I think we're just more alert. We're waking up. Maybe yeah. we're getting our priorities restored. I, th- I think that's right. Uh, Lisa and I were talking about that the other day. You go to the grocery store, and for the first time in my life that I can think of, shelves are bare, right? You're, there's no paper products. There's no toilet paper. There's no all these things that just disappeared because people were reacting in fear and hoarding things. And so the idea that we really have taken so much for granted in America, right? None of us, we laugh at the doomsday preppers and all those people who build warehouses full of stuff. But this has showed us all that life is really fragile. Even economies and even systems of society are fragile, right? So we should take those things not for granted. We should be grateful for them. And then maybe maybe think about how we put ourselves in a position for the next time something like this happens and be a little more prepared, but also be more prepared Inter, interpersonally, um, how often do you work, walk by people every day and don't take time to be grateful for their presence? How much are you missing okay. those people now, right? I'm already thinking and excited about the first time we all get to go to a basketball game again. Or, yeah. Or the first time that we all get to show up at a baseball game, especially when we all get to go to church. Yep. I think it's going to be the greatest celebration. And I'm just praying that we don't forget. We have a tendency to forget, don't we? Oh, we do. But, but my goodness, maybe we will remember. I have another idea, if you don't mind, I'd like Please. to suggest. And that is, let's be generous people. Let's be generous people. And I know that some people hearing me say that, are their jobs are in danger, or their income levels are reduced because yeah. of what we're going through. And maybe w- generosity, in your case, does not mean money. But it does mean something. I think every person has something to give. Our tendency, as you already said, is to hoard and hide. We want to hoard enough and we want to hide away. I think it's healthier, not for us to be recklessly generous in terms of disregarding what the government is telling us to do. Right. But to be generous in the sense of, we can find a way to find people who need help. And maybe we can send them some money, or maybe we can call them and give them some counsel. Or maybe we can say, hey, I know this is terrible, but I want to tell you, I was around during 9-11, or I was around during 2008. We got through it. So be generous. Get your mind off of yourself and do something tangible for other people on a regular basis. That's really good. That's good preaching. It's good neurochemistry too. Like when you actively choose to help somebody else, it gets you out of your own 
mind hole of all those reckless thoughts that we talked about a while ago. Yeah, so practically speaking, folks, you can be take a second and think of an elderly person who's stuck inside and by themselves. Somebody's lost their spouse and they're alone. Send a send a FaceTime message or reach out and send a gift card to somebody. Or we're worried about local businesses, right? So small local businesses are going to have a hard time surviving this if it drags out very long. The big stores, Walmart and Target and all those will be okay. But but if you've got a local grocery or a, a local business, maybe buy some gift cards, call yep. them and place orders for that they can fulfill a month from now or two months from now. I love that. Yeah. 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 Practical Just something stuff. practical. You have something that somebody else needs. That's right. One of the great stories in the Old Testament is the story of, of Joseph, the uh, the son of Jacob, who ended up as a prisoner in Egypt, eventually became the prime minister of Egypt, and he interpreted the dream of Pharaoh, and as a result, stockpiled grain enough for the world to survive a seven-year famine. We are those Josephs. All of us are Josephs. God has stockpiled stuff in us. Lee, you have a lot stockpiled in you. I have a lot stockpiled in me. Maybe it's optimism. Maybe it's technical knowledge. Yeah. Or maybe it's money. For some people, it is money. We all have some stockpile. Yep. So let's say, Lord, what's my stockpile? And the, and the beauty of the Joseph story is he didn't just give it to the Egyptians, even though he was uh, the prime minister of Egypt. Yeah. But he welcomed the entire world. All the nations came in. And, and I know this gets touchy in terms of politics and stuff, but yeah. I just think this is a time for us to tilt toward generosity and realize we're all humans right now. That's we're right. all humans. And so if you've practiced a prejudice toward a certain ethnic group or, or if you've had a certain, I don't know, chip on your shoulder toward people, this is a time to be forgiving, right. to, to issue grace and to see if you can't reach out across the aisle, so to speak, and be generous with people. That's good. It's good teaching. Speaking of the Joseph story, I'll tell a little story about Max. One of your books is called You'll Get Through This, and it's the story, it's the Joseph story, really, about how people can go through hard things and and persist in their faith. And that book came out, not exactly sure, early 2014, probably. That's about right. And when our son Mitch died uh, in August of 2013, Max, you sent me an advanced copy of that book and signed in a little note that said, this might help you. And it did. So there's an example of Max seeing somebody else in a time of pain and providing something out of his well that was helpful to us and ministering to us. And I think that's a good example of what you were just saying. You had something that God had put on your heart, put on your heart to write. And you saw us in pain, and you ministered to us out of that storehouse of gift that you had for us. And that means more. I, I know I've told you a hundred times over the years how much that meant, but I'll tell you again right here for the- thank you. Um, and it was a small thing, but it was a big thing to you. Huge. And and, yeah. and it's often that the case. What is small <clears throat> to us is huge to someone else, and so we just don't know. We just don't know. All of us probably know somebody who's scared to death right now. That's right. Just scared to death. And and we may be scared, but we're not scared to death. That's right. There are different levels of fear. So think about that person and and reach out to them and see what you can do. That's right. Hey, Max, tell us about your most recent book. Okay. I had one come out just uh, two or three weeks ago, and the title is simply Jesus. Jesus, the God who knows your name. Yeah. Uh, I've always wanted to write a book. Totally Jesus, just Jesus. 
And uh, this book actually includes some favorite writings from prior books. But then about 30% of it is brand new stuff. But it's the kind of book that if somebody doesn't know anything about Jesus, they can read it and have a, I hope, a very good uh, primer about the life of Christ. And if somebody's been reading about Christ and following him for their whole life, um, I I really think this would stimulate even some new thoughts about it. Yeah, it's a beautiful book. And I've, of course, read, I'm a super fan. I've read all your books, but Next Door Savior was a great book about Jesus that you wrote several years ago. And and then you had a previous book, I'm blanking on the title about Jesus, Just Like Jesus. Thank you. Just Like Jesus. Yeah, Yeah. wonderful book. But this one is, uh, it's special, folks, and the audio book's wonderful, too. But get the book, Jesus, and check it out. And Max has graciously agreed to give away a signed copy of his newest book. For the first person who emails me, I'll put the link in the show notes, lee at drleewarren.com. Reach out and tell me that you would love to have Max's book, and I'll send you a copy. He'll send you a copy. Thank you for that, Max. Absolutely. Absolutely. Max, I promised you about half an hour. That's what we've done here. I am eternally grateful for your friendship and you being a wonderful pastor to me over the years and for your time today. I love you and Lisa. I love all your family. Your listeners probably don't know it, but Lisa's father, Dennis, he was one of the first. When I first came on the staff of the church, he was soon thereafter became an elder of the church and then soon thereafter became one of our staff members. And uh, boy, I, I would hang out in his office all the time. Such a, I don't know, a kinder man. Yeah, and uh, the opportunities that he, uh, he eventually moved into the chaplain role for our church or hospital visitation. Yeah. And I think he was really in a sweet spot there. Yeah, and, that's where uh, I met him. And Lisa's mother, God bless her. Just no, no nope. kinder heart ever. Just yep. as special as she could be. Amen. Thank you. We love you, Max. Uh, please give our love to Dean and folks all over the world to be blessed by you coming and doing this for us today. So thank you. Thank you, my friend. That was a great conversation with Max. As always, it's just wonderful to be with him. And you can see why I tell you his heart, despite his success as a writer, his heart is a pastor. And don't forget, the first person to email me, lee at drleewarren.com with a name and address, will receive a signed copy of one of Max's books, and I'll send you one of mine too. Listen, friend, in times of trouble, don't forget that your God is bigger than any virus or any illness. The Savior is bigger than the storm. Hey, you can't change your life until you change your mind. And a verse from the Bible in Philippians chapter 4, 6 through 8 is self-brain surgery lifted right from the pages of scriptures. As Max mentioned today, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Take Max's advice, friend. Change your mind and don't live in fear. Find ways to help others. Make a new habit. Use this time wisely and start today. Hey, thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the show so you automatically get every episode. And if you like the show, you'll love my weekly letter. Check out my writing at drleewarren.substack.com, drleewarren.substack.com. Get the free newsletter every week for my best prescriptions for becoming healthier, feeling better, and being happier through the power of faith and neuroscience smashing together 
via cell brain surgery, drleewarren.substack.com. And if you need prayer, go to the prayer wall at wleewarrenmd.com slash prayer. The theme music for the show is Make Us One by Tommy Walker, graciously provided for free by the great folks over at tommywalkerministries.org. Check it out and consider supporting them, tommywalkerministries.org. Remember, you can't change your life until you change your mind. And the good news is you can start today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren. I'll talk to you soon. God bless you, friend. Have a great day.